Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pender. And unfortunately, we're not joined by Zach tonight. I think he may have fallen asleep watching that, that Whitecaps game. He's actually otherwise indisposed, which I think some of the Whitecaps midfielders may have been tonight. The, the energy certainly was was missing tonight, and I, I think a few other things were as well. We're actually going to have a bit of a shorter show tonight. That'll probably be music to the ears of some of you listening, but we thought we'll just kind of keep this a little bit short just now. There's not a lot to talk about from the game. Some of the stuff we'll, we'll talk about when we get Zach back on the show next week, but there still is a lot of Whitecaps and MLS stuff to dig into in this episode. 1-0 loss for the Whitecaps Sunday night in Carson, California in what can only be described, Steve, as a very pedestrian affair. A snooze fest, basically. Mm. If you wanted a good night, a nap before, you know, if, uh, this game should have been in the afternoon because oh. then you would have had a good afternoon nap and then and then gone on with the rest of the day. Um, and the thing is, this the, the most disappointing part of this is they they lost to the weaker LA side. Yes. After the midweek game, and and, uh, and it was an amazing performance in the midweek, not because it was an amazing performance, it's because I should say amazing result, not amazing performance. But this game was just, I, I, I feel like the Galaxy lulled the Whitecaps to sleep or something like that at some points. Because the Galaxy had nothing either. No, both teams looked absolutely dead on their feet. And it's understandable. They're playing games thick and fast. Whitecaps, in particular, had to fly in for this one the, the morning of the match again. But it, there was just no spark. There was no energy. It felt... Like I've seen more energy and more pace in a walking football match. That's how bad it was. It was like a training match. It just it felt that neither team had anything, and it certainly looked like two teams at the bottom of the table, two of the worst teams in the league. And I think that's that was what was on display tonight. But interestingly, that you, you talked about LA kind of maybe lulled the White Cats to sleep. Evan Bush said afterwards that. He felt that we played totally into LA's game plan of just to try and basically be stifled out of the game and then try and hit something. Interestingly as well, Bush said that he felt 
the Whitecaps had a lot more possession than they were used to and basically indicated that they just didn't know how to play when they've got that much possession, which is pretty telling and pretty damning, really. Yeah, and that's happened a couple times before where, especially, not not this year, but the years before, last couple of years where the teams would kind of give the Whitecaps possession and because they knew they could counterattack. I think Sporting Kansas City played a lot to that, uh, where they would just allow Vancouver to have possession and then they just attack them on the counter. But it, this game, yeah, th- it was amazing how LA Galaxy were able to, I want to say set the pace, but it wasn't really a pace. Mm. Uh, it was a set the drag or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, it, it. The Whitecaps should have attacked more. But then again, like you said before, day, day travel, although I, I, how much of a, how long of a flight is it from Portland to LA? It can't be that long. I think you can probably get there of maybe two. That, that's the thing. Amazing. When these guys were younger, it's like two hour drive sometimes to games and then you mm-hmm. play right away and then you come back. So but whatever the case is, um, and but but the other thing was is with fifth game in eighteen days or something like that something or like some that, weird, yeah. no, which yeah, is a lot. With, I mean, some yeah. some folk were tweeting out, "Oh, how can footballers not play two games in a week? That's all they have to do." This is slightly different. I've kind of been yeah. of that opinion before. These games are coming f- pretty fast, and it's like we've yeah. got a break now till Saturday, but then we play again the following Tuesday. Yeah. But the b- biggest thing, and we'll obviously we'll talk about it a little bit later, all they don't have to travel. They have no more day travel. Yes. They will be in Portland for the rest of the season. Yeah. Th- this was not their last away game, technically, the way things work out. But it's the last time they're basically leaving Portland. And uh, like if, if you'd said to me, when you record the show on Sunday, the Whitecaps will have taken six points from their last three games. One of those games will have been against LAFC. I'd have been like, oh, that's fine. That would have meant we, we, we'd have had two wins and we lost to LAFC. But now that we beat LAFC on Wednesday and you're playing a team that they should have beaten tonight because the Galaxy had very little. We didn't have much either. It kind of feels that that's been a disappointing six points from nine instead of what should be a, a good six points from nine. That that happens a lot with these. Cause they, they get the unexpected wins and then you go, okay, now they can actually... I think when we did predictions over the rest of the season, I think I said nine points and you guys must, must have said six. Or I, like I think I said eight because I had us to have a couple yeah. of draws. Yeah, I was you, feeling you did, smug because yes, yeah. I was like, oh, here's the, here's this draw coming. Again, no draws, just wins. Yes. No no sister kissing for the White <laughs> Yeah, they must have thought, ah, oh, screw the draws. We want to have this record. Let's just let this go on. Yeah. Right, let's delve into the, the match a bit in for the rest of this part. There was one change to the starting lineup. It was enforced. Gianni Bacchel was out. M- Michael Baldissimo came in. We were wanting to see that anyway. We see Baldi in, in, in the game. And he, he had a couple of moments. But in general, that, that was a midfield that just did not really exist tonight for Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, there were moments, but not enough. And again, the, this midfield is not a driving midfield. They're more of a reactive midfield from from what I've seen, and so they are more of a team that needs to get the ball wide and drive those wide guys out there. And it was the four four two again, which I know it's not the sexy modern day formation, but it does work. And funnily enough, had this chat on my East Fife podcast yesterday because East Fife have switched to a four four two at the moment because it fits the personnel that they want on the pitch. 
Whitecaps are doing the same. And it's worked, not in a very exciting way, but it's got the results. Tonight, no. Yeah, and I think it's a lot to do. I think I think the biggest key to playing the four four two is uh, a little bit of the midfield depth, but really is to get Freddie Montero out there mm-hmm. uh, because he has shown a lot of uh, ability to create plays and, and and create chances for the team. I mean, there's not really tons to talk about from the actual game. So, I mean, first half, Evan Bush absolutely outstanding. Five or six big saves in the the, the first kind of ten minutes of the game, including a great double save from Pavon, I think it was, who was obviously the, the danger guy for the Galaxy from the off. And th- that was great, great saves by Bush. The The worrying bit was the sloppy defensive play that set up the chances that Bush had to save from, especially from that double save, which I, I'm not sure who it was that had the header. I think it was Vasilinovic, But it went straight to Pavon and let him run in on goal. And... Again, just sloppy, sloppy defensive play. Yeah, and uh, it, it's amazing. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about it a little bit later. But we'll mention why that's surprising that they have sloppy play. Um, the, the, Evan, not only that play, but uh, I know it didn't really count because it was eventually called offside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those double saves yes. uh, that he from made. Steris, uh, yeah. From it, right in close, and then it got put in, then it was offside. Yeah. Um, so the, the, it's, he's... He's a very good goalkeeper. Like I'm still surprised that Montreal decided to bring somebody else in, uh, because I even the last few years I never thought goalkeeping was their biggest issue. Well, I mean, just to, to touch on that quickly, nightmare for Montreal in a way because they've let Bush go, and then Diop's had to go back to to France for personal reasons. So they've had to throw in James Pantemis, who did have a fantastic Island Games for Valor. So, I mean, he was he was excellent. And the question coming out of that was, what happens with him now? Because he needs to keep playing. He's just played seven games and he was great. What's going to happen to him now? Well, now he's thrust into action in MLS. In a playoff race, too. Yeah. So, I mean, they'd let Bush go at their own time. And it is going to... I mean, he's a guy. We talked about it in last week's show. He's, he's still got a few good years in him. So, great, great addition for us. He showed his worth tonight. And we'll talk a little bit about what he said after the game as well in a sec, and it kind of shows the maturity and the leadership that he's actually bringing to to the locker room. From a Whitecaps perspective, they had 60% possession in that first half. All they really had to show for it was a long-range free kick from Ali Adnan that Klinsman did well to kind of sprawlingly tip away. That was it. And there there was nothing really... From the Whitecaps, and LA were the better team in that first half, but it was now now at the half. We've seen that go pear-shaped very quickly in a couple of recent games, and I was a little bit concerned by that. But then the second half, just nothing from either team. It was just dreadful. Yeah, and, and uh, I, there was a li- well, Jake, Jake had a great chance. You got to give it yeah. to him. I mean, that he, was a bit he, later on in the half, but I mean, the opening yeah. stages, uh, yeah. the opening stages, yeah, there was nothing really there. It was minor catches by Bush. Bush had to make a couple, he got credited for mm-hmm. saves, but it really, really wasn't half chances, but nothing coming out of the break, which is surprising to me. And that's where uh, one of the things that was very surprising was a lack of substitutions by MDS in this game. Like, I felt like if he noticed that LA Galaxy were like like playing like that 
I, I thought he would have brought more energized players and brought them off the bench in order to push it a little bit more. But I, I have a feeling he was playing for the tie. That's that's my suspicion, even though I well, don't know yeah. why you would. I mean, he, he said afterwards, we'll, we'll hear that in the next part, that getting a point from this would have been a, a great result. You'd have had seven from nine and it would have still kept the Galaxy down there and it would have like put them up. Bush talked after the game about the fact that if they had won tonight or even if they had drawn tonight, that was basically the Galaxy's season over. But now... You, yeah, you put you put your opponent away basically at that point, and and, and you, that's one less team you have to worry about catching you up. You don't have to look at that scoreboard. Yeah, but we'll have a look at how tight the standings are later on the show as well. But I mean, now you've you've got them back in the hunt, and you you've just you've dropped three points to to a rival. Well, dropped one point that you, you could have been coming coming home with. But yeah, going like just going back to the subs. So the only sub that was really made from an attacking point of view although you could add that bringing Gutierrez on later on for Adnan did allow some attacking up the left wing because he did show some flashes but Ryan Raposo the, mu- the much underused Ryan Raposo uh, in the last few weeks came on in the 71st minute I was excited by that because the game was crying out for somebody to come on with some pace just oh, just anything that was going to add some spark to the game and he didn't really get a chance to show it. He had a few bad first touches. But, like, Cavallini looked tired, but had a bit of running. Montero, he he looked done. I'd have, I'd have taken Montero out and put Ricketts on. And I don't understand yet why he wasn't taken off, unless they really feel like he's the only person that could create something. Um, and, and you talk about no Ricketts. That was, like, the homie, at one point, I think, on one chance, he was holding his shoe. Mm-hmm. So I was like going like if he can't get his shoe on, what's the point of him being on there? Yeah, uh, I got taken the homie off as well and just yeah. got bear on for some freshness just on the fresh wing. legs. I don't understand why there's an issue with fresh legs. It's not just MDS. We've had a string of coaches who are against putting somebody on that uh, substituting somebody. I feel like that they have the team on there when mm-hmm. you built this team for depth. You 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 know you don't have superstars on the team. So you built this team for depth, and then now you're not even using the depth in the actual lineup. Unless he saw something in training that he didn't like, and that's why he went. And speaking of that, uh, mm-hmm. Malinkovic wasn't yes. even in the 20. Um, like I, I remember post-game, they asked him about him being not in the 18. MDS actually corrected it, said he wasn't yep. even in the top 20, and it was a technical reason for that. Yes. Telling him that he didn't like what he saw in practice. Or Which is very surprising because Malinkovic has been his guy. Yeah, for a good run. Mm-hmm. And he's been he, he, he's been good. He's been up and down, but I mean, on the whole, he's he's been one of the better performers this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the fresh legs. I think that's what really cost them because if they put some fresh legs out there, I think they could have got something from from the game. But then you're talking about what Evan Bush said that I touched on there, just naivety in the inability to to see out that game. But then we come to the, the turning point of the game which the Whitecaps feel that they were a bit hard done by, Russell Tiber was adjudged to have given away a foul in the middle of the Whitecaps half. I think it was a foul. I don't know why. I don't think it was a yellow card, but I think it was a foul. I felt it was a clean tackle. He, he, if, if you're looking at like, you know, the shoulder kind of, uh, there was no actual, I felt like there was no touching of foot to the other leg. 
No, he but I think ball. he maybe tucked him a little bit on his jersey. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I saw him like push, like pushing off or whatever. I thought that was enough. Like it wasn't a full tug where he was tugging him back because he didn't. He didn't like get pulled back or else. Like he went down holding his ankle, and there was no touch on yes. the ankle. Yeah, and, and and I felt like he gathered the ball so clean, and I do feel like it was unjust call. Costly as well because if that hadn't been given. The Caps were on a break, and I think it was a five-on-four break they would have had with some pacey guys. So, I mean, that that obviously hit them, and then they just switched off defensively o- on the free kick. Yeah, but even on the the thing is, on the free kick, that was, you know, the hit the thing. I think that really scrambled them. I think they should have defended that free kick a lot better, and then the follow-up wasn't very good at all. Well, I mean, Pavon. Gutierrez just lost him and it allowed Pavon to get the the shot off. It crashed off the bar and you thought, that's a that's a, a big let off. But then there's a scramble in the box. It gets cleared off the goal line and you're like, okay, that's it. It's like that that should have been the end of it. And I know it was a throw into LA and they kept the pressure on, but they should have regrouped. And then the, the winning goal. I, I watched it back just before we started recording because I just had to see exactly what what went wrong there. And, like, looking at it, Kai Kareniuk, who gets the goal, he's behind Jake Nerwinski. And Jake is so busy watching the ball and the crossing in that he doesn't see that there's a guy behind him. And then he runs past Jake. He, Jake can't get him. Ranko can't get him. He's right in the middle of the two of them. The ball was delivered perfectly to him and he puts it away. It's like it was a great finish from him. I don't think either team deserved to to come away with that from three points, but full credit to the Galaxy for for doing it. They finished off what they needed to finish off at the the optimum time. Um, But again, Gutierrez needed to close down. I don't know why these guys are so willing to give such a dangerous player's time on the ball in the wide areas. If you close down on them, maybe the ball doesn't even get into the box and you don't have to deal with it at all. Um, I'm, I'm wondering also, I haven't seen, I, I saw the replay, but I, I didn't pay attention. I don't know where Godoy was, where he was caught. I think he was, because uh, I think this isn't good for the podcast because I'm demonstrating with my hand. So you, ha- you had Nerwinski here and then you had in the middle Ranko and then Godoy was pulled to there because Gutierrez had gone towards Pavon crossing the ball. See, that's the thing, that they go, but they don't make a full, like, commit to, to going after that player. They, like, and you're, then you're in no man's land where you're not defending the box and you're not really attacking the, the crosser. And I think they need to do one or the other. Like, either sit back and let him cross and have more people in the box, or go out and get him. I mean, it was a terrible goal to lose. It was a shocking end, but at the same time, we've seen this defence. It's not shocking at, at, at the same time. Great run from Kareniak to, to do it. It's like he showed such awareness of to make that run to get on that ball, and the delivery was perfect. And it's the kind of delivery we just did not see from, from the Whitecaps tonight. After the game, they talked about, it doesn't matter if you've got all that possession. If you're not creating chances with it, it counts for nothing. And ultimately, that was what happened tonight. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, purpose. No. Possession without purpose is useless in uh, soccer. That's a very, very good way to put it. So that's our thoughts on the game. We'll be back hearing the thoughts of Mark DeSantos after the game. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark DeSantos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
me silk and dogs windows in me. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. And kicking off this part, it's tonight's song from this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN. Splodginess abounds from their 2000 album, I Don't Know. And that was My Socks Gone Down Inside My Shoe. It is a curse, as is letting up goals by not marking. And that's been the Whitecaps curse this season. Happened again on Sunday night in Carson. More terrible marking. We'll talk a little bit more about the game and some of the performances and just what it means in a little bit. But before we do that, let's just bring you some post-game audio now from the gaffer. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I think it, it's heartbreaking. Uh, everybody in the locker room feels that we deserve to come to go back uh, to Portland or, or to our houses with at least another point. Um, we knew the game would break after 65 minutes. Uh, both teams uh, looked looked tired and playing far from each other. Uh, but we knew that it would be uh, one moment offensively from, from one of the teams. Um, you know, we had a lot of the possession, especially in the first half, but we lacked of a little bit of clarity to create chances. So it was a lot of possession, but not enough uh, chances created. Um, even though if we had some that were dangerous, we still we still have, uh, could have done better. Then at the end of the game, uh, there's a play with Rusty uh, that goes from a very clean tackle from Rusty, a very good ball that he won uh, and ready to initiate a counter-attack of 5v4. Uh, and the ref does an incredible mistake, uh, calls the foul, gives a yellow card, puts LA in our half. And from that moment, uh, they get something, they get the cross in that unfortunately we we spoke so much about preventing the cross. That's the type of game uh, LA plays. Unfortunately, we, when when you start getting tired, you you lose a little bit of uh, sharpness uh, and decision making. And 
but look, it's it's unfortunate. We we think we deserved at least to go back home with a point, but um, we're still in the fight. We're keeping fighting, and now uh, we have four uh, important games coming up. You talked a little bit about how when you start getting tired, things can change a little bit. Do you feel that fatigue played a role in today's game? For, for both teams, for both teams. Uh, I knew at the minute 65, more or less 70, the game would would open a lot. Uh, of course, that when you play every three days and you travel, it's normal. Uh, it's very humid here today, and it's normal that that could, could come in and be a factor. But I still think that we had we had the chance to, to, to win the game here. What I felt with the game is somebody would have won it. Uh, I didn't see this game going into a tie. Um, we had moments where if we had just a little bit more of sharpness, uh, we could have created more chances. Uh, unfortunately, our ball possession today didn't translate into chances created. Um, but Again, what I'm more frustrated is that I think the referee had a, a, a very bad decision on the foul that he gave uh, on Rusty that originates uh, them being in our half and, and scoring the goal. I was just wondering about uh, the, the the Galaxy midfield and just the, the way they were trying to they set the tempo. They didn't really set the tempo. They played very soft. Uh, they were very lax. I was just wondering, was that something you expected coming into this game? Because it, it looked like something that you guys could have taken advantage of. Yeah. Uh, no, we know it's a, a midfield without Jonathan that becomes less dynamic. Uh, Jonathan gives them a, a, a very different type of rhythm in the, the midfield. Um, but again, uh, you know, when, when I don't want to judge uh, their decision making or our decision making in a game where, especially after the the the, the first sixty minutes, uh, legs were starting to to get up and and players start to take uh, decisions that are not always the right ones or slower, uh, closing down spaces, and that's the only thing we felt. But. Uh, Again, I, I think it's a game that the, the biggest problem was us in possession. We were not able to to change that possession into uh, 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 moments of chances created. When the game was uh, still scoreless late in the second half, had you had you thought about bringing on like a, a Toss Ricketts or, or Theo or just for that kind of pace or? Are you thinking, you know, not just this game, but next game with uh, your substitution pattern? No, no, it's a good point. We just felt that uh, the game was so open uh, that the quality of Freddie uh, or Cava could have brought something uh, in the final third, especially when it was opening up. It wasn't, we, the, they, they, they took a lot of the space in behind their center backs or not center backs that, push the line very high, so they stay lower. So that's why we thought that we were still getting into spaces. We're still getting into some moments. There's Guti gets into a good spot, but the cross comes too back. And even another one with Ali that almost gets to Christian Dajome. Then there's a ball cleared on the, almost on the line. Uh, there's the, at the end, even after we conceded the goal, their goalkeeper makes a, uh, a mistake and, and we almost 
score uh, there. But yeah, after the game, you always think about possible subs, but we just felt that it was a game that we would be able to get something out of it. And unfortunately, it's always hard to lose uh, in injury time. And last thing here, just, uh, you know, the, the away games are, have been really tough on, on yourselves and, and everyone around the league with the fly-in and fly-out. Uh, having the last four games in, in Portland, uh, you got to feel pretty good about uh, the way you guys can play heading down the, uh, the stretch. Well, I, I prefer to, to play these last four games uh, in Portland than this in and out. In and out has been uh, hard for us as a team. Um, and uh, like you said, hard for the other teams also. It's just something difficult. Uh, but I still think today we could have uh, gotten out of a week where we get seven out of nine points. Unfortunately, it did not. And we get six. Uh, out of nine, we, we beat South Lake, we beat LAFC, we lost this one in, in injury time. There's there's a lot of positive we're going to take. Uh, we're, we're in the top eight still today, so we're going to fight until the end. That's what I said. We're going to fight inside all circumstances. We're going to fight until the end. So some interesting stuff there, Steve, from Mark DeSantis after the game. Nothing too surprising, I guess. But, I mean, he described it as heartbreaking, as did Evan Bush. But it's heartbreaking in one sense, in that, yep, you've lost a last-ditch goal that stripped you off a crucial point. But it's not heartbreaking when you haven't actually done enough during the game to create anything to really deservedly take anything from that game. They feel they deserve to get a point from the game, and in a way they did because both teams were crap, but they didn't do enough for me to really earn getting anything from that game. My thing is, if you play for the draw, you don't you don't you don't deserve any points. So that's my feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you play for the if if he if they were their plan was to play for the draw, I think you don't deserve any points. If you play for a win, then you deserve to get points whether it's a win or a draw. But you got to play for the win. And I felt like that they weren't based on what you were saying that Evan Bush said and everything like that. I, I felt like they weren't really pushing uh, and taking advantage. And I think. Either they should have put in a different lineup if they felt this lineup was too tired, or had done something different. But I think they should they should have attacked more. Maybe it was just they it just caught them off guard that the Galaxy were not playing uh, and pushing that much, and that maybe the, the the adjustments weren't able to be. But they had half time to make those adjustments, and they didn't do that at that time either. Well, it's a it's an old cliche, but the best form of defense is to attack. If the ball's not in your half, then you're not going to be letting a goal in. And they needed to be taking that that ball forward. And like, while we're on it, I mean, before we delve into more Whitecaps aspects, let's look at the Galaxy. This is a terrible LA Galaxy side. Dreadful. Chicharito, like, uh, I I think at one point, the one of their uh, strikers was hobbling. And they still were were ready to make the substitution or something like that. It was brought up in the broadcast as well, and they go, "That's how bad it is right now." Yeah. They don't even want to. And he, and he did come on eventually, but 
that one finish he had that, that was horrendous <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say he looks like a shadow of his former self but that would mean he's kind of maybe a bit thin he looks like he's eaten his former self because he looks heavy out there He's, he added a COVID-20, but I don't know how, because <laughs> you're an athlete. You shouldn't have, you have to do that. I mean, he, he's been a bust for LA Galaxy. One goal. And he's had some dreadful performances just over the course of the season. I know he's been out injured, but if you'd brought him in and he wasn't a DP, or even if he was on a low DP salary, it would still be awful, but not as bad. But with the salary that he is commanding... They've just been pissing money down the drain. Yeah, he's he's easily like people want to criticize uh, Lucas Cavallini, but in comparison to Chicharito, Cavallini is a, a steal. Yeah, at this he's point. an MVP at this point compared to yeah. that. There, there were rumors this week that Scaletto was going to be on his way out at the end of the season, and Robbie Keane of all people was going to be coming in, which from our point of view would be a joy to have him as a, a manager to interview after games. Oh, 100%. The only problem I have is uh, Tybert might be uh, standing on the bench of the Galaxy in future games. Well, he'd have to be doing the interviews in, in Tybert's pocket, really. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Skeletos denied the rumours, as he would. He coming up with the, with MDS's one-off, well, I've got a contract for, ne- or Freddie Matero even, I've got a contract for, ne- got a contract for next season, I'm, I'm going to be here. The way the team's been playing, though. The Galaxy are the te- type of team that would fire somebody after a year. If oh, they're yeah. not, uh, especially if they think that their fans going to be coming back next year mm. and they're going to be selling tickets, they're going to be getting rid of somebody. But but this heading into this game, this was a Galaxy team. The, they were winless in seven, and the last six of those games were defeats. And in those six defeats, they gave up 19 goals and we did not test that defence. That's, like, inexcusable. No matter how tired you are, that's inexcusable. I don't think Cavallini had a shot on, on target, did he? Or, well, or I neither. Know. Have a, I can't remember. Stats here. It didn't feel like he, he did. There was one chance, but I think that was called offside, the, the header. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was five shots on target for the, the Whitecaps altogether. Adnan had one. Nerwinski had one. Dahomey had one. Montero had one and Bear had one. Yep, you're right. And you want your striker to be doing way more than that in this case. So yeah, that's that that is a little disappointing, especially when you have Montero there to help set him up, and there was no setting up at all. Well, I mean, we only had seven shots during the whole game. Five of them were on target, so at least that's a plus. Galaxy had eighteen. They only managed five on target. Five on target. That's not good. good. But that's typically a Vancouver line for shots and shots on target. True. Actually, no. No, sorry. I'll take that back because they never had 18 shots, attempts even. But then as well, when you've got shots like Chicharito's, it's understandable that there wasn't more in target. But I mean, yeah, you had you had to test that, that defence a, a little bit more. And I mean, a lot has been made, and I've been bigging them up as well, of this Montero-Cavallini partnership on and off the pitch, the Colombian connection with Dahomey, and we've seen some great flashes of it. We saw it on Wednesday night against LAFC. We've seen what they're capable of doing, but we haven't seen it enough, and tonight it just wasn't there. Yeah, it basically fizzled out. I think the, the, the number of games they've had in a row, especially coming off two wins like that, I think that maybe... They got to change something up there, but like I said, 
I don't think they were going for the win. Uh, I hate to he keep saying the same thing, but it just seemed like they they were just going for the draw and getting ready for those those final four games. Definitely. I mean, I I think they would have been happy coming away with it. I think they needed the three in the grand scheme of things, and we'll look at that in, in the next part. But I mean, a point on the road certainly wouldn't be the worst. But when you look at what they've got left, they, they needed three from this, I, I genuinely feel. No, but the thing is, a point on the road against uh, a good team, is <laughs> that's okay. But when you're playing the team at the bottom of the table, you got to go for three points. Now, if we're looking at some highs from the game, Evan Bush, clearly a high, a fantastic individual performance from him. He's brought a good leadership to this locker room and... I. I've spoken to him a few times at Montreal, spoke to him a couple of times during during COVID when I've been on Montreal calls. He's always been fantastic to speak to because he just, he's like an Andy Rose. He just says it as it is because he's, he's got that veteran noose to him to, to basically just say things as it is. So, I mean, he was outstanding. But for you, does anyone else really get pass marks tonight? Not really. Um, I'm trying to... Uh, come up with people and it's hard to um no i would say adnan maybe a little bit he was running up and down the pitch quite a bit um jake uh he did have the while he was cause of the goal he did have the goal line clearance uh just the chance before and uh he he probably had their best chance of the night and they had a nice run into the box so yeah, I I would kind of give it to them but it's hard to even cuz like i said like you said before jake let his runner go and, and that kind of balances everything out from highs to lows. And so maybe he's a middle of the ground kind of guy. But yeah, Evan Bush is 100% number one. I mean, looking at the the who scored kind of ratings for it, it's all basically between six and seven. Bush leads the way with seven. Uh, Adnan gets seven as well. And he did put in a good shift. And then you have got Nerwinski third, actually, at 6.9%. And then it's like everything else is not really huge standouts. Veselinovic, 6.7. The thing is, we, we, uh, we, uh, complain, we complain about the substitutions, right? But honestly, like, you really can't... Like, Gutierrez, I thought, had a good shift a couple times. I think he's, he kind of made really one good cross. Um, but... And then Raposo really didn't do anything. So mm. while you have to criticize for not subbing, but the subs he put on really didn't do anything either. So maybe that's why he's so gun-shy, because he hasn't really seen anything come off the bench this year. Possibly. I mean, looking at the, the Galaxy uh, on the, the Who Scored thing, Pavon, 8.7, which is very fair, because, I mean, he was absolutely outstanding. And just his general play. But, I mean, looking at this, it's... This this is quite a surprise to me because I thought the Galaxy were pretty terrible tonight, but they've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of their starting 11 are at seven or more as a rating. But the thing is, if they didn't hold possession, right, then they can't make that many mistakes. And when you, when you, uh, when they, you have essentially a clean sheet, you're going to get a lot of defenders up in the sevens and a lot of like the midfielders. I guarantee you the strikers really didn't have very much uh, other than probably the goal score. But uh, yeah, when when you're when you're not giving away the ball because you didn't have it in the first place, you're not going to be uh, your marks aren't going to go down that low. And like looking at the heat maps, as everyone always loves to do, yeah, it's, it's just your typical Vancouver heat map of 
do they actually know the opposition penalty box exists? Yeah. It's it's always like that, and that's not going to change until the midfield is improved. The, 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 the defensive side and the attacking side are not going to change at all until that midfield gets better. Well, I mean, we've got a new signing, Steve. Yeah. But will they class it as a new signing? Well, well, Axel will be like, I told you we'd make a move in this transfer window. Yeah, they confirmed a signing, basically. Yes. For anyone that hasn't heard, Ranko Veselinovic has now officially become a white cap, making his 12th start tonight, which triggered the deal that they had to permanently buy him, but not, apparently, according to Canadian press, for the murmured... Two million that was initially out there, six hundred and fifty thousand, which seems a steal. Yeah, it is a steal, I think, especially considering that uh, there was one mention in the broadcast where um, I think it was—I don't remember—I don't know if it was uh, Paul or Peter—they mentioned how uh, people were calling. Um, yeah, Axel Mark talked about and, that this week. And uh, oh, was it Mark that said it? Oh, I don't care yeah. remember if it was. They said Axel said it, Mark, but they said that how did you get this guy? And I think. Maybe those phone calls uh, started. I, I have a feeling Ranko is not going to be a white cap very long. It's going to be on the, um, mm-hmm. what's his name? The Inbombed. Korean guy. What's his Inbombed name? Inbombed. Yeah. <laughs> he's basically. <laughs> Forgotten him already. He's a flash right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a similar thing to that where they're going to bring him in. They're going to maybe play him until next summer, maybe, maybe uh, next winter after that. And then they're going to sell him off for a profit. Basically. Uh, uh, he has to show a lot more for me to, to earn a move to a. Uh, a top European side, I think. Um, well, yeah, but right now at this point, I don't think he needs to go to a top European side to get a, for them to get a profit. They could, you know, double or triple their money selling him to a championship side. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Like it, it, for this two million to have been out there initially, I mean that has to have come from somewhere. So if they have got it for six hundred and fifty, obviously all these terms will not get released, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but you have to feel that any future sell-on might be split 50-50? That could be it, yeah. That, that I, I agree with that. Like, they might, they might get another, you know, maybe it's a one, another 1. 1.4 for that original mm. team, and then they get, the Whitecaps get whatever they want on top. Yeah, I mean, that, that, if that's the case, I, I, either way, it's a, it's a good deal of business because he was highly thought of and there was teams interested in him. And Mark had said, because Mark was asked this week, as he's been asked a couple of times, as has Axel, about, oh, uh, if he makes these 12 appearances, it triggers it. And he, he was like, oh, we talked about this in our WhatsApp chat. And it, Mark's like, what's the soap opera with all this? And it's like, the soap opera is, we've bollocks this up before not knowing what triggers things. That's why there's a soap opera around it. We just want to make sure that everyone knows. Let him know it was before he, was, before he showed up here. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, the thing, but the thing is, I want to mention this too. If they did this, where it's a 650 fee, and then uh, you know, it say it's 1.4 because that gets them up to the two million that was rumored, that is a very good deal too when it concerns the cap, because now Ranko is not going. There's no chance he's a DP. He, they can actually make him a um, a tam player, and mm. you don't want to keep putting DPs on top of DPs in the back line. Well, remember though, you are you are going to be allowed three young DPs next year which he will qualify for. So he might, because it depends what salary he's going to command as well. Right, right. And the thing is, that now they've, I, I think they've spent a fee on three centre-backs, which was funny because before people were complaining about Robo like hoarding des, uh, defensive midfielders, 
and MDS and has gone well. further back, closer to the net, and <laughs> spending money on centre backs. Well, I mean, that's the funny thing. Like, we've spent all this money on central defenders. We've spent money on Ali Adnan. We've got Evan Bush coming in on quite a high ticket as well. And we've given up the worst goals in MLS. 40 goals against. Which, like, just looking through... Just looking through the Eastern Conference as well. The closest to us is, funnily enough, Montreal with 36. We've given up 40. Oh, I tell a lie, we are not the worst. I thought we were the worst when I looked at this early. San Jose's. Yeah, San Jose's got 43. So we're the second worst in MLS. And it's funny that the, I think the, the worst two goal differentials in the Western Conference are currently in eighth and seventh spots. Yes. To, to be... <laughs> To be in a playoff place with a minus 18 goal difference that the Whitecaps have is, like, staggering. Because when they play bad, they play horrible, and then they eke out those wins, and that, that's that's how you get those yeah. That goal differential. Yeah, you can win all your games 1-0, lose all your games 6-0, and if you win half and lose half, you've still got a good chance of making yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. But this was, as we talked about, their last game away from Portland during the regular season. Not sure what kind of impact that will have. But we'll have a look at the standings as to what lies in store for the Whitecaps in these four games. And we'll be back chatting about that in the next part. And because we have a, a shorter show this week, we're not going to be doing our usual three of a kind segment. So we're going to be kicking off part three with our latest song in our Have You Heard feature, which is where we play in full a song from a local band, either from Vancouver or from back home in my neck of the woods in Scotland. And we've got a cracker for you this week, and we will be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Tam McManus, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Boys and boys go 
Welcome back to the final part of tonight's slightly shorter AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And we've kicked off this part with the latest in our Have You Heard segment. This is the part of the show where we're going to play some music from a, a local band. And by local, that could be local for Vancouver or it could be local for me back home in Scotland from kind of Fife, Edinburgh, Dundee area. And that's where we've gone for this week's tune. It's a four-piece band called Paris Street Rebels, hailing from Balingri in Fife, which is a small old mining village. They've been getting a bit of buzz the last couple of years in the music industry, and they've just released their most recent single at the end of August called Diane. You can find that in all the usual places, Spotify, iTunes, etc. You can also find the video for it on YouTube. But I thought I would play one of my favourite songs by them, going back to 2018, and that was Freak Show. So I hope you enjoyed that one. And as I mentioned when we had our last Have You Heard section, really keen to find out about some local bands here in Vancouver. So if you're in a band, or you know of somebody in a band, get in touch with us. Drop us an email, aftncanada at hotmail.com, or shoot us a DM on Twitter, at aftncanada. So let's get back to the football chat now as we get into the last part of this week's show. In this part, we're going to look at the MLS standings and what lies in store for the Whitecaps over the the next four games. I was going to say four weeks, but it's not even four weeks. Just a a couple of weeks of the season left. So let's quickly look at the standings. So right now, after tonight's game and all this weekend's games, the Whitecaps are still... Hanging on to that playoff spot, Steve, in eighth place. Exciting. Try, try, make this exciting for the for the listeners. But 
don't think don't think we really believe we're going to be holding on to that eighth spot. Honestly, you never you honestly you never know because of the fact oh. that they don't have to travel and other teams do. So I think do you think that they do have a slight chance? This season, like nothing would surprise me. It's like if we went on to make the Western Conference final, well actually that might surprise me, but I anything with results because there's been so many lopsided results and teams doing well on the road, teams doing well at home, getting hammered on the road. Again, it's all this travel aspect potentially. But if you look at this Western Conference just now, the White Caps in eighth are just three points off the bottom. But they are just four points off fourth and three points off fifth. That that's crazy to me. That just blows your mind when you when you look at that. Them and San Jose have the least amount of games left too. I think. Yeah, the yeah the teams in seven and eight are the the teams that's only got four games left. Everyone else has a lot more than that. The Whitecaps have the third worst points per game record in the conference, and as we talked about there, the second worst goal difference. So look looking at how things are just now. Minnesota, they're sitting in fifth, twenty four points. Six games left. Dallas is sixth, 24, seven left. And I think it then comes down to these final two spots. And every single team could get in to one of these two spots. That's just how crazy it is right now. San Jose, seventh, 24, four games left. Caps, eighth, 21, four games left. RSL, ninth, 21, five games left. Houston, tenth. 20 points, 5 games left. Colorado, who we'll come to more in a sec, 11th, 19 points, 10 games left. And the Galaxy, sitting at the bottom, 12th, 18 points now after tonight's win, but they've got 6 games left. So, between the Galaxy in 12th, and you're looking at the Caps in 8th, there's 3 points separating those teams the the Caps have to win, for me, three of the last four, if not all four, just to, to sneak in seventh or eighth. I would say that the minimum, I, I would kind of think minimum two, because I don't have any faith in the teams below them or San Jose, that they're going to pick up that many, you know, that many points either. So I'd say minimum six, but I think they would need nine at least to even have a chance. I still think they might even need to get all all 12 I've got to say I, but then but then you're giving credit to RSL and Houston and Colorado, no, Colorado maybe but Galaxy for actually picking up points and I don't think they're going to pick up that many points even though they got like RSL and Houston only have one extra game and well, who says they're going to be able to get yes. those victories right Let, let's look at Colorado now then because this for me is the biggie here because yeah, I think it's farcical I mean Colorado more games called off They've got 10 games left. Everyone knows they cannot play all those games to, to round off the season. So MLS have already said they might have to look at points per game. I don't think it's right. I Honestly, and I, I think I mentioned it last yeah. week. I don't think it's right. I think if you have this much problem, like other teams are controlling. Yeah, once in a while, somebody will have a test, positive test. But for the most part, other teams are able to control it. I don't think... FC Dallas and Nashville should have gotten like a chance to make up those games. Of, co- of course, that, those are earlier in the season. But you're, when you're this late in the season, I don't think you should be able to make up these games. Like they might actually, if they play their last four games or whatever it's going to be, four or five games, 
maybe they get enough points on on their own in order mm-hmm. to get into that spot. But right now, I don't think they should be able to make up the games or do points per game. Well, the thing is, if Colorado look at the table just now, they could go, you know what? If we somehow don't play another regular season game, we're definitely in the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to get in. So they could, you know, what says they don't fake their tests yeah. and everything like that? I, I, also go worked, theory <laughs> I also worked out this week, just based on the points per game. When And this was when the, the Whitecaps had five games left. No, when they had six games left. So this was before the, the LAFC game on Wednesday. If Colorado didn't play another game, the Whitecaps could only afford to drop two points in their last six games to actually overtake them in points per game. So now that's out the window. So they can't... If Colorado weren't to play another game, it doesn't matter if the Whitecaps win their last four games, they can't overtake them in points per game. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, uh, again, for me, it, it's not even about the Caps. It's a, it's unfair. Like, other teams have had... Uh, positive COVID tests where they have to uh, that they're not that player's not available anymore yes so so but they still have to play the game like if it was a really you know up you know top player or any player in their roster if it was somebody that was going to be in their 18 you lost a player because of COVID whereas Colorado has just lost like just not even played the games because they have had multiple ones because they weren't able to control the situation institutional control they're not able to maintain institutional control or whatever I know there's a term like that where you you just aren't able to control your players and so not if you can't control your players it's a term that comes out of college okay. sports where if you can't control the players the players are you know taking bribes or 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 uh, taking money to get scholarships to go to that school um uh, it's basically they, they they punish the whole school even though if the coaches had no idea this was going on because you got to be able to control the situation in your organization. I, I'm just, I've pulled up Colorado's fixtures just now. So some of the games that they've had called off, a game against the Galaxy. So that has big implications in the in the whole playoff race. Um, you've got Real Salt Lake is a game. Houston is a game that they've got still to come. That's their last game of the season. So, I mean, some of these other teams might actually benefit as well by not playing the game in the whole points per game thing. Yeah, it could. But but I still think that that uh, if you like if they're able to play these five games, I think right now they have five games scheduled, apparently, of over, until November 8th. I don't think they're going yeah, yeah, to add more games to this. It's farcical. And I'm genuinely amazed that it hasn't impacted more teams. There's been a couple of other games that, that have been called off, but not to a major extent. And as you say, they've managed to then control it and they only maybe get the one, maybe two games called off. What's happening in Colorado is just like insane. And there's definitely not enough room in the schedule because they're playing basically every three to four days. They, they can't squeeze any more, I don't think, than those five games in. And they've they've been off for a month almost, right? Just like almost well, five yeah. days short of a month. So they're not up to like, match fitness or anything either. No, I, that's why I think that the, these five games are really going to bring back bring down their points per game average. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's in a lot of ways it is tough for them because they had rightly been in a playoff position because they'd been playing well, but at some point the league's just got to say, look, we'll just have to 
to see how you get on in these five games and then review to see where you are, you really need to try and do it in these five. I mean, it could benefit the Caps in the end, but if we don't do it on the pitch ourselves, then it's kind of, it's looking a bit bleak for us. Of course, the next game that is coming up for the Whitecaps, Steve, is massive because it is against San Jose. So it's seventh against eighth. And for me, if the Whitecaps lose that one, that's it. I think, I, I personally think if it's a draw, that's it. I think it, yeah. it's, it's a must-win, essentially. Yep. And they are playing in Portland, and, yes. uh, so they have a team that has to travel day of, so they need to take advantage of that. And uh, the, San Jose, the San Jose doesn't have a midweek game this week, do they? I don't think No, they no, no teams do. This is their break, so it's going to allow the Whitecaps guys to get back to Vancouver for a couple of days, and every team's, apart from teams that's trying to make up some games that were postponed for COVID, most teams have a break. Yeah, I think Portland has a game midweek or something like that, but I, I maybe I can't remember now. But yeah, um, I, it's definitely a must-win for me. It's like three points, or basically, you're you we might as well record the end of season show. Absolutely. But one, I guess, final thing to kind of mention, just in the whole MLS side of things. This came out today, and it, I was very surprised by it. But MLS are not going to be awarding a Supporters' Shield trophy this season. As things stand just now in this, what would have been the Supporters' Shield standings, TFC have a six-point lead over Philadelphia, having already clinched a playoff spot, and you have to think they were going to win the, the, the Supporters' Shield. And it's now taken away from them. And like, yeah, we could laugh and say, yeah, it's TFC, so it's really funny... That they're not going to do this, but it's not. It's not MLS's call, though, right? Uh, like it's. It's basically from what I've. It was and, the, and there was the a, independent there was supporters a, council, I believe, and it's not even. Apparently, it's not even their call because they said in, in a tweet earlier today that it was a decision made by the board of directors of the Supporters Shield Foundation. Yes. So, so they're the ones that officially made the 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 call, and then I think a lot of people did criticized independent supporters council but apparently they said it's not their call either mm. so yeah so the blame definitely got pushed on a couple of times it, i know that after the game today uh i think it was maybe greg vanny i can't remember yes but they I've, said got, it, I've got vanny's quote up here yeah they basically said something about they're gonna you know they're, they're gonna lift some kind of trophy whether it's a manhole cover or something like that oh, they, that wasn't I, i've got i had maybe, that maybe maybe that was a different player then or i'm not sure but i, I could have sworn that they I heard somewhere, and I heard it in passing too, so I'm not 100% sure. But this is, this is what Vanny said. He said, my players are pissed. It is a huge sign of disrespect to the players. It has arguably been the most difficult season in the history of our league, where people have put their health at risk to play and put games on television for fans. This season has required a huge commitment from all teams. People were genuinely afraid for their health. It's a disgraceful decision that delegitimizes the whole idea of the shield, in our opinion. Those who made the decision are like kids in a park who take the ball away when the game isn't going their way. It's childish and a symbol that they don't know how sports operates. And that is fantastic by Greg Vanny. I support that 100%. Great stuff from him. Yeah, I want, I want to find that quote because I could have sworn I heard it somewhere. Well, I know as well a lot of the Toronto fans, because I was reading this, actually it would have been yesterday, so I guess this first came out yesterday, were saying that they'll club together to get some kind of trophy for, for Toronto if they end up winning it. 
I say bravo to that because it's like it is shocking. You're having the season. I, I I see it in both sides in which you could argue, okay, you're not playing every team in your conference, but you're still having a regular season. And as far as I'm concerned, the support of Shield is meant to be given for the team with the best record over the regular season, whatever that regular season looks like. So to not give it, I I agree, it completely delegitimizes it. Folk have said for years, oh, we'd like the supporter shield to, to be worth more and to feel that it's worth more. Well, the people that's running it have just made it worthless by, by doing something like this. Especially if you cut it off, like, in a one season. Like, the uh, uh, what what's more prestigious than, uh, in my opinion, than the Stanley Cup? Like, obviously, the World Cup maybe trophy or something like that, but the Stanley Cup is around... And this was not a, an obviously an exact way to play the Stanley Cup playoffs when you play it over two in two cities, yeah. and you're not really playing in front of your home. So, but they they basically awarded it like they, or else it would have been the first time since uh, I think it was 1915 that it wasn't awarded, and that coincidentally was because of the Spanish flu uh, for that. So, you, I don't see the harm. I, I don't see where uh, it was mentioned. I think it was mentioned in that same quote that they felt because it was a a season that wasn't played in front of fans that they couldn't award the trophy or something like that. Well, then you would say, why was the Champions League awarded? Why was the English Premiership awarded? All that kind of stuff. I'll read it out, actually. In 2020, the schedule matchup imbalances um, and the absence of fans and stands for the majority of teams led to the decision that no shield would accurately reflect the best performer over the course of a season. As a result, the foundation opted not to award a shield to any team. Absolute bullshit. Like, you can only play who's in front of you. Yeah. They've had a season. They've had a regular season. It might not be a normal regular season, but they've had a regular season. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find people, apart from really biased, blinkered people, to, to say that TFC have not been the best team by a mile. It's like they've been outstanding in many of the games. Fully deserving a supporter shield, in my opinion. Anyway, don't get me more riled up on this. I think we'll we'll move on from this just now. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it next week when Zach's back on the show. Let's calm me down now with this week's wavelength. And what calms me down? The good old punk. This is a bit different from our usual English punk. It's from a Philadelphia-based punk band called Dive in the Box who describe themselves as a soccer-based band. And this is a song from their 2014 album, Still Banged Up From Last Night. This is Away Match Rules.
Philadelphia-based punk band Dive in the Box there from 2014 with their song Away Match Rules. I'm sure we're all missing away days, I certainly am. Always a lot of fun. Hopefully we can get some more of those soon. It's just, it's just more fun on the road. But that is it for this week's show. Just before we go though, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Please give us a like and a subscribe and a follow on YouTube as well, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. I'm sure we'll be having some more of our live shows soon. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn the support of S.H.I.E.L.D. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.